Okay, let's go. Hi, guys. Welcome back to Chewing the Fat. I did adopt two seniors that are joining the ranks of the illustrious Booker T. Washington High School. You said illustrious or infamous? Illustrious. <laughs> That's right. My lexicon is as vast as yours. So who am I on the show? Who am I on the show? Well, I lean a little bit to the right. Usually, I lean to the left. I am the person that engenders the question, what's he doing on the show? And to me, that's Chewing the Fat. Welcome back to Chewing the Fat. Please don't turn that back. Of course, my name is Carlos. And I am Queena. And I am your always under fire, much maligned, and your ever in the, down the middle, Dr. Kevin Johnson. I didn't think it was ever going to end, Queen, did you? I was just going to say, why your <laughs> intro got to be so long? Every time, man, I don't know what it is with this guy. You know what? Every time. I, because I can. I think it's because you told him to give his cash out last time. He was talking about they need to pay him. Yeah, you know what? I do need it. That's what he's doing. He petitioning for some donations or something. Is that what it is? Okay. Dr. <laughs> well, honestly, I just never get much airtime. You know, this Shreveport connection is getting very thick around here. Man, well, whatever. He's talking about he don't get much airtime. Who have the most dialogue every show? I'm, I'm telling you, he's long-winded ass. I'm surprised he don't be out of breath when he finished talking. I can see him, him. with a towel blotting his forehead and everything. Well, the, the hateration, I tell you, it continues. Listeners, you see what I deal with. I, I can tell you. Well, I tell you what, Doctor Johnson, I'll give you the the honor of you know giving the title of this week's episode. How about that? Would you let our listeners know what the title of this week's episode is? So this week, uh, we've, we've done a number of series, listeners, on we've done Sins of Our Skins 1, Sins of Our Skins Part 2, uh, our high, highest rated show. This week will be The Dream Deferred, Social Justice in America. And we're going to go through a myriad of, of different aspects, right, taking different point of views when it comes to this topic. But... Thank you for tuning in and hope you enjoy the show. So, Queen, um, for the second episode in a row, I think you have a guest, do we not? We do. And I was actually going to jump in and say that Dr. Johnson is not alone tonight and it's just not the Shreveport connection because oh, we have a native. Yeah, we have a native. We. Right. We have a native son of Monroe on the line. And so, Ro, for real, will you introduce yourself to our audience and, and just tell everybody a little bit about yourself? And I'm sure everybody knows who you are if they listening, if they from Louisiana. Whoa, what's up, y'all? Ro, for real? Glad to be in the house with y'all, man. Y'all crazy, man. <laughs> <laughs> I like the dialogue, man. And so let's have a good show, y'all. Of course. So, um, you have a new project coming out, right? That's out right now, actually. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it just dropped. Yeah, it just dropped uh, last week. Oh, okay. Tell us a little bit about that. The new uh, project is called Parlay. Parlay simply means to let one thing create more things. Let one door open another door. Let one dollar create more dollars. You know what I'm saying? Like, take the little bit you got and let that joker create something great. You know, and so this project to me is it's about where I am in life right now. You know, it's about all the roads connecting point toward the next season. So I'm I'm taking everything I got to make those things create greatness. You know, and so this project is special to me, man, because I got a lot of tracks on there, man. They'll make you bob your head, man. They'll make you dance. And but at the same time, I got a lot of conscious messages on the project, too. I love the title. As soon as you said the title, I was thinking I was like, man, that should be relatable to all of you know african americans specifically black mothers because <laughs> they're well versed in you know turning something out of nothing you know so uh i like the title i actually got to listen to your um your most recent track which is tulsa man i love it i'm not gonna even lie man to be honest with you i, I started listening to it and i kind of forgot it was you for a second kind of sound like Wycliffe a little bit <laughs> well that's the thing dude you know i appreciate the love too bro you know um for me i always say my style is called trade gay 
That's that's what I call my style, Trey Gay. Oh, you got to define that one. Yeah, it's a mixture of trap, reggae, and soul. I love it. Okay. Yeah, so on all these songs, you're going to get a little trap feel, you're going to get a little reggae sound, and you're going to get that soulfulness that, that I just can't hide. I'm from Louisiana. So that soulfulness from the church and, you know, from blues, all that's in me, you know, so it comes out at times, you know. So you may hear me sounding very Caribbean-ish on some, on some tracks, and then all of a sudden you'll hear that, oh, <laughs> you know, and that'll come through sometimes because it's just it's in there, dude. You know, I have really just gotten to a point in my life where I've stopped trying to be what everybody else wants me to be, and that's exactly where I am right now in life. I, I feel like I've wasted about ten to fifteen years of my life trying to meet everybody else's expectations for me. And so, you know, there are people who they always want your good side, but they don't want your bad side. Exactly. You know, so it's like <laughs> you want me to be nice, but and you don't want me to be ratchet, but you keep making me ratchet. You know, and I've always said, you know, all that's in you, you know, saying we, we, we're not just our good side. We also have a side that needs to be, you know, worked on. We also, you know, we have an adventurous side. We have a quiet side. You know, we got a loud side. And at times we have a shy side. I, I just stopped trying to make excuses for who I am. There are certain days I want to hear God gospel there are certain days i just want to trap it out there are certain days i want to hear reggae and then there are certain days i don't want to hear nobody saying no words just give me some cold train and i'm good you know so it's like i'm i'm not going to keep trying to put myself in a box not in my career not in not in the way that i look not in what i choose to spend my time doing today i may feel like watching the saints game tomorrow i may feel like praying the next day i may want to work out i'm not going to try to put myself in a, in a box I'm, I'm gonna do these things you know that are going to make me a better person that's going to make me happy it's going to bring peace to my mind and that's just where i am at period that sounds uh sounds like when you got into that point when you're in your 40s when you're just like you know what i i've, I've tried this i've done that I'm seasoned. I've experienced some things. Now it's time to try it my way. Hey, I applaud you for oh, that. Oh, yeah, most definitely. And, and at the end of the day, all of us, we're just a culmination of our experiences and our influences, man. And I definitely see how those different influences come out in your music. Queen. Thank, man, I appreciate it. I've been trying to jump in for like the last three minutes. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I didn't forget about you. I'm sorry. And it's supposed to be ladies first. Hey. Oh, 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 we not gentlemen. Man, y'all, y'all don't care nothing about the sister on the show. Let me jump in here and talk to the man. For real. Hey, that's what you, hey, that's what you get, get for inviting your best friend to the last show. That's all I'm saying. Okay, well, whatever. I so, we so, Roll for Real, this, I'm, I, I still I want to stay on Tulsa for a minute just because it resonated with me so well. So, of course, with the 100th anniversary coming up of the Tulsa massacre I really feel like this song has the opportunity to you know speak to the masses and so that's the feel that I got from it when I when I watched your video and then of course that compelled me to go read read more about the Tulsa massacre so of course I knew about it but like I said after watching your video that compelled me to look up and dig a little deeper and so I, I hope that as other people watch it that they're compelled to do the same and I man I just had to sit here for a moment you know and just sit in that and just just let that come over me because man we went through so much during that time and you know the the title of this episode is a dream deferred you know a hundred years later and so again that resonated with me that a hundred years man we still fighting and i just love that you know, I just uh I just released uh, um tonight as a matter of fact we just put out a mini docu tonight on YouTube it's a 20 minute uh, behind the scenes of while I was there um you know they follow me around with a camera while we were there I, sometimes these videos take three and four days to shoot so while I was there I actually talked to the people in the city some of these people these were their grandparents and everything you know and uh it's a, it's a whole mini docu uh on YouTube now called Rope for Real Tulsa behind the scenes and that breaks it down even more because I'm actually walking into the businesses on Greenwood District talking to the people who still there and everything I actually take you inside the Black Wall Street Museum the gallery there and kind of show you inside of that on the on the behind the scenes and everything you know but for me you know I, I've always said man you know again you know I'm at a, a place in life where I just want to be me I don't want to uh, be in these boxes in these categories so you know I don't want to make music that's one side of the one uh um or, or that's in, in in a box you know I don't want to I don't want to be that artist where they say oh he had that one jam 
No, I want to be that artist that says, dude, always had something to say. Dude, always made me think. Dude, always put it on my mind. You know what I'm saying? I want to be that artist because when I think about the people who have inspired me, you know, my, my four influences in life, well, as a musician anyway, you know, my four influences are Bob Marley, Lenny Kravitz, Outkast, and Goody Mob. These are all very eclectic thinkers, very eclectic visualists, very eclectic artists. But when you look back over their catalog of things that they have done, they've always push your mind to the edge, push your, your eyes to the edge, you know, and made you think about something, you know? And, um, but for me, Tulsa, you know, I wanted to do this song uh, a year ago and for some reason I, I never could get it done. I didn't have the, the resources at the time. Cause I didn't want to just do a song called Tulsa about black wall street and filming in new Orleans. No, mm -hmm. I want to go to Tulsa and film that Joker, you know? Yes. And so, Right. You know what I'm saying? And actually, we pulled this off during the pandemic, during the quarantine. Wow. You know, so, yeah, I flew to Tulsa. We spent uh, four days there uh, doing this video, like I said. But, I, you know, I want to bring this story to life. You know, that's what I love about this project because there's some pieces on this joint, dude, that 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 really touch on some some things that black people are sleeping on that we're not reflecting on. I've had so many people to come and tell me that say, dude, I did not know it was that bad. Yes, dude, these people have... 32 blocks of businesses, yes. 32 blocks of businesses. They own dentist offices, pharmacies. They own uh, movie theaters, hospitals. They had airplanes. They had airplanes back then, dude. The white people didn't even have airplanes and they did. Five black you know, families. I'm glad you touched. I'm glad you touched on that. Cause the one thing I, I really wanted to highlight from it. And, and again, it, it was a tragedy and we should, we should definitely uh, highlight and, and remember and memorialize the event for the tragedy that it was. But I also, uh, and I'm glad you touched on that positive aspect of that we really, I hope also comes from this conversation about Tulsa. The fact that it was an intentionally designed uh, community by an African-American who bought 40 acres, who, who decided to sell uh, to black families and, and reinvest his dollars, right? We talk about how the dollar circulates through the black community that it was something intentional. And, and by being intentional, it became successful and others were able to benefit from it and flourish. And, and hopefully that we can look at that model as something that still can be used today, that can be uh, uh, mimicked or, or modeled throughout the nation because he did that in 1921, right? Bought 40 acres and said, come here, let's build something. Let's become uh, what they say we cannot be. So I, I hope that part of it is, is also highlighted too. You know what's interesting though? A lot, a lot of people don't even realize that a lot of those people that were in Tulsa, they were not from Tulsa. They moved right. to Tulsa mm -hmm. because they heard of the opportunity there. They heard that blacks could thrive there. And a lot of blacks moved there. A lot of those people were not natives. They moved there because they heard that there was land. They heard that black people were prospering and they wanted to be a part of the movement and the word spread and people from all over the country started moving there to open businesses. They, we're talking about blacks that had chandeliers and blacks that were living very, very well, wearing mink coats and, you know, had land and they owned businesses. And we're talking about very, very esteemed and established uh, African-Americans during that time that didn't need no help from nobody. And that's what really happened. You had a white side of town that was very jealous mm -hmm. of the prosperity on the other side of town. And all they needed was an excuse to burn it down. That's it. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, uh, during that time, the minimum wage, you had African-Americans earning more than what the current minimum wage is today. And that's, wow. what, fueled, that's what fueled that jealousy and that hatred. And Dr. Johnson, you were speaking on it, saying that, you know, we can um, follow that model and, and hopefully we can follow that model today. I don't think it will work. And the reason that is, is because we no longer have the benefit of underestimation. They didn't think it was in the realm mm. of possibility back then, but now they know mm. it's possible and they'll never, ever let it happen again. Because Queen, every time we try to gain some traction, what do they do? <laughs> they change the rules. Thank you. Oh, here we go. Mm. It's true, though, Dr. Johnson. I know you like to defend it, but it's true. You like to give them a cookie, like Queen say, <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about the fact that think about 
the the level of oppression they dealt with, right? The level of isolation, the level of segregation, and to still make it happen. Now, without those barriers today, right? We have black billionaires uh, in the city I live in, with, in Austin. Uh, we have a black business, a black billionaire. So the resources are there. I think what's different is the the commitment to the community. I, and I'm just gonna say it: the commitment to the community isn't what it used to be, right? that you were really focused on circulating those black dollars within the community. I think that's the issue. I don't think it's so much as the system changing or individuals not having the resources. Mm -mm. I don't think the will is there. No, no, Dr. Johnson, because we cannot discount uh, systematic racism. So, you know, so in, in this century, everything that has been built has been put in place to, to keep us, you know, from acquiring wealth. Right. That's true, so, so that's not a new development, though, Queen. It was that way then. But the difference no. is that Dr. Mm -mm. Johnson was alluding to is the commitment as a people to unify and, 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 and try to advance collectively. Now, like I'm saying, Dr. Johnson, whether we have a commitment, have individual saying, billionaires, but I mean, there's nothing that's being done on a collective basis for the greater good. I'm, I'm saying whether we have the collectivity or not, we still probably couldn't because we are not in a position of power. Is what y'all miss. But the key words you said there is probably the fact is they even even though right it ended in tragedy, they still had the courage to start it. They still had the courage to build it. Now, tragedy again that it was it was burned down and horrible, horrific. But that will, that desire, that commitment, that's what's lacking to me right now. Can I interject? I I, I think jump you know, jump on in there. That's what I want. Come I on. I think um I think there's one key factor, you know, um that is not available to us today that really was the engine behind that success back then. And not just with Black Wall Street because there was a Rosewood as well. And there were a lot of other communities, Absolutely. you know, around the country that we don't know much about because they were not burned down as this one was. And we don't have that that, that uh, the access to that information. But if you research and, good, and, and go on Google, you'll find out that there were very there were a lot of prospering black communities. Oh, Shreve, know, around Shreveport, the Shreveport's on Cooper Road is a historic yeah, Road, black you know? community. Yes. I mean, look at the Night Ward here in New Orleans. Yeah. The Night Ward in New Orleans is the second largest um, uh, black neighborhood um in america second to harlem you know and the, every most of the homes in the night war before katrina were black owned these people own their own houses own their businesses and it went for blocks and blocks and blocks but there's something that they had back then that actually fueled that success that we're missing now and that's a common opponent back then there was a common opponent we all interesting you say that but we were all fighting the same enemy you say that. we were all fighting well, the same enemy which made us pull together which made us support each other which made us patronize each other which which made us invest in each other because we couldn't rock with them we couldn't invest with them we couldn't be on boards with them we couldn't do anything with them so it made us do it with each other and when you take all them black dollars and all them black ideas and all that black energy and put it all toward black things well black things become great now what we don't have is a common enemy. They have made us believe that we are our own enemy. So instead of helping each other, we fight each other. We tear each other down. You know, we are not supporting each other because now that we can move out the black neighborhood and we can live on the other side of town, we'd rather move over there and tear our own down, you know, or forget about our own and never even look back. I mean, I even with our high schools, with our, with our HBCUs, I'm a, I'm a big advocate for HBCUs. You know, many of us graduate from these schools and hardly ever even give back. You know, many of us graduated from these high schools and hardly ever go back to the high school and give back to the, I call them uh, predominantly black high schools. I came up with a new name, a PPHS, a predominantly black high school. You know, but uh, <laughs> many of us never give back Shout to them. Out, so Karen. a lot of our hey. institutions, a lot of our businesses, they decline because we get a little bit and leave. You know, when back then we couldn't do that. You had to stay on the black side of town. You could only go in the black stores. You could only date a black girl or date a black man. You could only go to a black church. You could only. So it made us very successful and very great because we had a, a circle of a pool of money and, and, and camaraderie amongst ourselves. That's missing today because we're so diversified and we're so Americanized now that there is no sense of, of, of togetherness like it used to be. But I believe that, you know, we're 
slowly, I think this past year has shown us we yes. all we got. This yes. year, this last year has shown us that we all yes. we got. I'm a big advocate for uh, Killer Mike and what they're doing with Greenwood Bank because, you know what I'm saying, that's the next step. We got to show people how to invest in ourselves. And when we invest in ourselves, take that money and put back into our community. You know, so that's what I feel. Absolutely. I agree. Uh, all I'm going to say is it, it took a care of high school alumni. <laughs> <laughs> alumni. <laughs> to support my argument uh, and just so eloquently offer the facts and support my argument. Well, I thank I'm, you, Darren. I'm guilty, though, bro. I'm, I'm guilty, though. You know, I haven't given back to my high school as much as I should have. Now, when, whenever that principal calls, he know I'm there. And I always volunteer, but I don't give back like I should. But since you are a Carol alumni and you, are, you also share a love of Shreveport and you were there for so many years, go ahead and educate. <laughs> I'm going to need you to go ahead and educate you know, your your schoolmate here that Booker T. Uh, Washington High School marching band is better than Carol. No. Can we do that? Can we, can we tell no, the truth? No, we, can we, we tell we the truth today? We, we definitely can't do that. We can't, we can't do no. that. Then you don't sit on here and lie to the people. You don't sit on here and lie to the people. I got love. Look, I do. I, I got much love for BTW in, in Shreveport, but BTW is what it is right now because Fair Park is shut down. Boom. Oh, you are out of your mind. Hey, now that would blow the belt, man. That would blow the belt. You, are, out, you the belt. are out of your mind. I want to tell I, you this BTW is a legacy in Shreveport. You know, that, that's you better. BTW Believe is it. the Carol of Shreveport. That's it. You know, it's BTW yeah. is better than Carol in every aspect. Well, well, oh well, my God. Well, 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 well she's well, only saying that because they have a standing bet, bro. They have a standing bet on the oh, next battle of the bands. That's what it is. But since COVID hit, it never took place. But they had a standing bet on the next battle of the bands. That's where that comes from. Well, now, I, no, I, you got me. You got me kind of caught there because you know one half of my heart is Shreveport, and the other half of my heart is Monroe. That, you know that's I knew that, I had you. I knew I had yeah, you. Yeah, but, but then see, my whole mind is New Orleans, though. You know, so <laughs> you know you can take look. You can you can take uh, uh, Carol and BTW and all the rest of them, and they still wouldn't battle Saint Aug. <laughs> you, know, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm have to go and tell the truth. I'm gonna have to go and tell the truth. You right? <laughs> <laughs> CK8. Oh, Johnson. that's a first. Please record that. Yes, oh. I was just going to say, we ain't going to let that one go. Now, let it never be said that Queen don't tell the truth now. I tell when the truth the truth will make you free. That's, that's what the word say. I tell the truth now. You didn't say that you I, don't tell I, the I truth. Just, you just don't admit it. But y'all know what? Fault. It's so interesting y'all talking about these bands because coming up um, in March, we're doing uh, I got a song on this, on my project called Wealth that's coming out around that was coming out in April, but in March we're doing a band battle online we're giving away money to the band the best band that can play my song you what? know the, the song oh yes, wow the high school bands you then, know so then make sure you get it to to my boy in shreveport so he so bt dove can blow it out who is also a oh former drum goodness. major of southern university which is why booger t sound the way they do that's why now, see, that's what you should have said that's, see, that's what you should have said <laughs> Now that's because I'm a Southern alumni too. Now that's what you, you should have well, said. You, sh you should be able to tell from the way they sound and they marching style. They looking like a little baby Southern up there. He got them we'll looking. See, we'll see Carol uh, do too now. You know, so I just, Carol you know, does too. That's yeah. our history. Absolutely. Okay. Well, we, we oh, definitely going to be on the lookout for that in March. Okay. You know, I'll be down with the HBCUs, man. That's, that's like my passion right there. I just, I look, I went to Tuskegee. Uh, to film something about maybe four years ago in Tuskegee, y'all. Let me tell you, I love my Southern University family. I, I I I wouldn't trade Southern for nothing, and I got love for Grambling because Grambling is the heart of where I was born. So I can't not Grambling until the Bayou Classic. Now I go all over Grambling the Bayou Classic, and after that, then I come right back to loving them again. You know, but um, I really, 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 you know. Uh, I went to Tuskegee about four years ago. Tuskegee, let me tell you, I don't care what HBCU or what college you went to. You ain't black until you have walked on Tuskegee campus. You're not black. You ain't officially black until you have walked on Tuskegee's campus. It's like being in a museum. Woo! 
Oh man, they got Booker T. Washington's it's mansion, like the house, the house that the, that the students built is still on the campus, and you can walk through, and they have the rooms left just like it was when he died. Nothing's wow. changed. The furniture, yeah. everything. They have George Washington yeah. Carver's grave. His museum is on the campus. Henrietta Lacks, her museum is on the campus. I mean, these big murals of Rosa Parks and Satchel Paige, and I don't even get me started, man. That campus just like gave me life it made me realize i'm not doing enough in my wow. community i'm not sharing the history enough i'm not telling it enough we're not we haven't man the streets malcolm x boulevard and martin luther king avenue and you know and it's, it's unbelievable that campus made me proud to be black it, i didn't on that campus i didn't want to be african-american i'm black that campus wow. made me Whoa. you know saying it made me feel good about my history and who I am and what we have accomplished. And it, made, it, it, it put a fire in me to go tell our story and, you know, in, in everything that I do, share that legacy, let people know our greatness. I mean, that campus is a work of art. It is unbelievable. Y'all got to check it out. I'm sold. I'm going. I checked it out. And I'll tell you that it, it was really, it was that, that campus and, and that layout that really inspired. I don't know if you had a chance to visit the African-American Museum in D.C., but you see some of the same aspects, right? That they really took some, and of course, the African-American Museum uh, went deeply into the slave history. But when you get to the upper levels, right? That pride that to talk about, right? The Tuskegee Airmen and talk about all of those aspects that you get to see, that was a real inspiration for the museum. And, and I'll tell you, going to Tuskegee first and then going to the African-American Museum it is inspirational and I, you right. I won't say uh, you're not black. I won't pull a Joe Biden, but you definitely need to go check it out. <laughs> we just definitely want to thank you for being our guest tonight. Thank you so much, Ro For Real, for coming on. I'm inspired. You got me. I'm about to book a ticket right now to go to Tuskegee because you got me on fire to go see Tuskegee. I'm about to go. Guess what? Guess what? You can do that because Tuskegee is the only HBCU that has a hotel on the campus. Listen, see, I'm oh, sorry. Wow. I'm sold. I'm going. Wow. After Rona over. After the Rona over. Let me say that. <laughs> <laughs> after Rona over, huh? I heard that. Well, hey, man, you know, um, I definitely second that, man. You know, um, as I told you or when you first jumped on, man, you know, it's been a long time since I've seen you. It's definitely really good talking to you again and hearing some of the things that you have going on now. Man, I wish you the best with your project, man. I can see that it's already successful, you know, with the amount of viewers that you have. But continue uh, being a positive influence, man, and representing your town very well. I know Dr. Johnson going to like that. You know, being a, a Monroe and, and everything, but uh, I definitely appreciate you well, coming on, Dr. Of Johnson. course, uh, Queena, that's, this is probably the best guest, the best recruiting you're ever going to do being a oh, part of this wow. show. Bringing on a Carroll High School alumni. I mean, oh, alumnus. Oh, oh, great job, <laughs> Queena. He said he is and many things, but you, that, you still harping on the cat. He is many things. He gave us a litany of things that he has done, <laughs> but you keep on pointing out that he graduated from Carol. The man that went to the moon and back, and you still talking about Carol. <laughs> Y'all wow, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's going to be about three episodes in before he let this go. I can tell you uh, right All now. I have to say is, audience, see, now, you know, when I open, when my introduction starts with the much maligned, now I didn't inter I didn't interrupt her during her closing session when she said thank you to our guests. But audience, I tell you, the matriarchy is it, still there. So <laughs> with that being said, I want to thank you, uh, Roosevelt Wright, because one thing coming from Monroe, Louisiana, the high poverty rate, uh, the fact that uh, a lot of uh, of the the barriers that you have to go through to be successful, to even reach out uh, to be successful within this country, and also right to make sure that you're giving back to the community through your art, through your voice, through your efforts. Uh, I applaud it. Uh, continue it, and anytime you want a platform to promote or just to talk about the issues, welcome. You're welcome to come and, and talk to us. Uh, enjoying our show and we will be cheering from the sidelines uh, for your success. 
Man, I appreciate you guys, man. For all y'all that's listening, man, y'all go check out my new project. If you go to roadforreal.com on Spotify, on all those platforms, I'm the same everywhere. Road for real. But I spell road like we do in Louisiana. R-E-A-U-X. The number four and real. That's my social media. That's my website, roadforreal.com. And as an artist, I'm Road for Real. So thank y'all so much for inviting me. I appreciate the love, man. And let's make let's make let's make let's 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 make the world better, man. Let's let's bring light. All right, and go bulldog. That's it. Once again, guys, that was our special guest for this episode, Row For Real, with his song Tulsa off his newly released EP, Parlay. It's available on all social media outlets as well as YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Music. You know what, Queen? Roll For Real was a really good guest, man. I'm sure I can speak for Dr. Johnson and let you know that we really appreciate you inviting him on as a guest. He really contributed to the show very well. He was great. He hit us with some jewels, man. Particularly about the HBCUs and shared some eye-opening things about Black Wall Street that even I didn't know. But the interesting thing that he said to me that still has me thinking is that he felt like we couldn't replicate Black Wall Street simply because we no longer have a common enemy. Now, Dr. Johnson, I'm 100% sure that you don't agree with that. Absolutely not. Uh, I don't think the, the actions of another human being define who you are. I think that your determination, your, um, your ability, your willingness to make sacrifices, um, I think that determines your success more than anything else. Now, I'm not naive enough to sit here and say that there aren't barriers that you have to overcome on uh, the history of, of what black America has to overcome tells you that barriers can deter or even destroy an effort. But I don't think that should ever stop an effort. Right. Well, and I won't say destroy. I'll say slow down or right. Delay an effort. But no, it never should be built upon whether or not you have someone, an antagonist, Right. To be the catalyst for your actions. No. But his example was about black people coming together as a collective. We had he he said that the reason we were able to come together as a collective and build as a, you know, as a unified unit was because, you know, we had one common enemy. And so I'm going to say I agree and I'm going to use the example of George Floyd. And right now the common enemy is racism. And so if that if that wasn't the common enemy, you know, you wouldn't have had um, to, to Dr. Johnson's point, all walks of life out marching in the streets. So we, we do still have a common enemy and that common enemy is racism. Yeah, but you know what? I don't subscribe to that, Queen, because when you think about it, racism has had a reoccurring role in the story of our lives as African-Americans. And you know what? I can't blame racism or the lack of having a common enemy as the sole inhibitor that's preventing us from making progress as a race. The fact of the matter is that there's mistrust within the African-American community. So it stands the reason why other races mistrust us as well. So when it all boils down to it, the lack of unity within the African-American community, to me, is a main inhibitor in terms of, of making progress and, and getting over the hump. I do want to go back to that, but real quick. So let's do a parallel, right? Let's do a parallel uh, analysis. So are Jews successful because of the Nazis? Or are Jews successful because they choose to work together and build together? OMG, Dr. Johnson. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm, put, I'm putting it out there. You know what? I'm going to take a play out of your playbook. I'm not touching that one. <laughs> Man, I'm not going to participate in any stereotyping of the Jewish sect. <laughs> I feel that Jewish people are together be because they, you know, I mean, they're successful because they work together as a community. Right. Yeah, Queen. But the Jews are a community because they have unity. That's the reason why they're able to band together and succeed in life. 
And that type of unity is all but non-existent in the African-American community. More often than not, we mistrust one another. Exactly. Particularly when it comes to doing business with one another. Uh, and let's go back to our previous show, all right, when we did black entrepreneurship, when we looked at that study that was done by Morgan State. You put two companies in front of not only just a white consumer, but a black consumer. And that that, that black consumer tended to go or patronize that white business more than he would patronize that black business. Now, and here's the thing. I'm not saying this. This is not a, a complete indictment, listeners, before you start. I start getting a little hate tweets and, <laughs> and black Twitter. What what a burn me in effigy. <laughs> hey, if black Twitter want to burn me in effigy, uh, all I'm going to say is simply this. There are people that are doing this. What I'm saying is, is that it needs to be a more of a concerted effort, right? When you look at uh, the level of poverty within our, our communities, within our neighborhoods, that has to be more of a consort consorted effort. Yeah, there are people doing it. We need more people doing it. I mean, but you we can't you can't bring up the fact that if you put two businesses, you know, side by side, that black people would, you know, choose the white business without discussing why. And it is because, you know, we have been, um, you know, there have been so much propaganda, you know, and so much stereotype pushed out there that our people start to believe, you know, the negative stereotypes about our own. It's like we have a racial identity crisis. Right. We are very dysfunctional as a people, which is why we haven't been able to reach our full potential here in America. You know, the frustrating and disheartening fact is that many African-Americans don't see themselves as one race. In fact, there's been research that shows that there has been a growing values gap between lower class and middle class African-Americans. There we go. Yeah, Carlos, definitely touch on the research that you talked about. And I know you discussed it a little bit offline, but go ahead and share what you found from that Pew Research that said that we don't see ourselves as one people. According to a survey by the Pew Research Center in 2007 entitled Optimism About Black Progress Declines, African-Americans were specifically asked, can blacks still be thought of as a single race? And what they found is only 53% of African-Americans believe that we are still a single race. The overriding factor in determining their answer was the differences in values held by the middle class and lower income blacks, which indicate the absence of a common denominator among African-Americans. Mm. Now, this is where I have to give some of what Queena brings up often. And, and that's the piece of, OK, there's been a historical uh, context to this aspect. Right. How do you perceive yourself? But. I, my argument is, is that in this woke era, and I tell you, me, me and that uh, word woke, we'll, we'll get into that on another show. But in this woke era, in this age of information, right, in this age of being able to find any and every piece of information you would like to look at, see and, 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 and review, in the age of George Floyd, in the age of, right, uh, Watchmen on HBO, in the age of Lovecraft Country, on HBO, uh, where a number of historical facts and, and, and successes are being discussed that, that, that I, I, don't, I can no longer condone that as an excuse. That you have to take, there has to be some part of personal responsibility. And I know what Queen is gonna say, blaming the victim. That's not what this is, right? This is more of a conversation about that and we've talked about this, the lack of circulation of black dollars in communities. This is not saying that we want to ostracize ourselves from other communities. But if we're continually at the bottom in education, the bottom of uh, building wealth in this nation. And, and just, just to bring up some uh, some of this information that I, I found in research from the Brookings Institute on their Hamilton project, that when you look at. The, the wealth gap between right white America and black America that the average white uh, net worth is 171,000 and but the average black family's net wealth is 17,000 this was as of 2016 this has only been exacerbated right and, and and think about how staggering that is but then let's let's think about the fact that that's not even counting COVID 
right? That's not even accounting for COVID right now. So when we talk about these aspects, it's just for me, it's just a conversation of how do I help my brother, right? My brother's keeper. We love to say that. We have programs named after it. How do I how do I become my brother's keeper? My sister's keeper. I don't want to leave. Uh, I want Queen of Holland patriarchy on me, so I don't want to leave my sisters out of there. <laughs> but how do I become that and how do I commit to that? And, and do I really need, just to kind of bring it back to full circle, do I really need an enemy for me to do that? Oh, man. Queen, you've been eerily quiet. What, what say you? Well, um... I, I like you said, you know, I'm, I'm gonna have to talk about it. I we I, we cannot discuss the plight of you know our community without touching on you know systematic racism. <clears throat> so uh, of course they have you know a hundred k to our whatever because they have been able to pass down wealth through you know through generations and you know this government our nation's government made sure that our generations you know that our economic trajectory you know that there was no economic trajectory for black folks so you know we we can't we can't discuss about we can't discuss where we are now without looking at the barriers and inhibitors that we had to to you know keep us from getting there okay you know started with the land act of 1785 congress sought to transfer wealth to citizens that were quite favorable but of course you had to be a white man right the homestead act of 1866 sought to include black specifically to transfer public lands but they discriminated against us with that so i mean you know just time after time throughout history you know there was you know no chance of us gaining access to wealth unless we did it ourselves so and, and to kind of give credence to that and and kind of bring that through the years I really want to acknowledge the difficulties and the barriers, right? So one of them, to kind of tack on to hers, the Freedman Savings Bank, which was in 1874, uh, Freedman uh, alludes to the fact that it was uh, four slaves that had been freed. They managed to save $3 million. 61,144 depositors had $3 million in this bank, and the money was mysteriously mismanaged. Uh, Greenwood, we've talked about that, right? Black Wall Street. There are the Jim Crow era's uh, black codes, uh, limiting opportunity in many southern states. Uh, the GI Bill wasn't even fair, and I'm a veteran, so that that one hits me uh, in, in a very special place, right? That one hurts especially. Uh, going to fight for your country in World War One, World War Two, Korea, Vietnam, and and not being able to uh, coming back home, and you can't buy uh, in certain areas. Uh, you have the GI Bill to go to school. You have the the veterans uh, home loan, but you can't use any of those uh, because of the color of your skin. Uh, the New Deal's Fair Labor Standards Act, um, the exemption of domestic uh, agriculture and, and service occupations, redlining. Uh, that's that's been when you talk about gentrification, redlining goes uh, goes along with that, right? How that's happened uh, within neighborhoods now. Uh, with gentrification, how that, as as Carlos talked about that playbook, it used to be where they drew lines where only African Americans can live. Now they're being priced out of neighborhood. So there have definitely been a, a history of barriers. So I, I definitely want to acknowledge that, Dr. Johnson. I would never diminish the fact that those barriers had a deafening impact on the African American community. However, when you look at how African Americans treat their community. It stands the reason why those barriers were erected in the first place. You know, there's a consistent lack of pride or ownership, if there's any ownership whatsoever, in those neighborhoods. So we can't just turn a blind eye to our contribution to our own plight. Otherwise, we'll never be able to push past it to get on a path to progress. Well, and then let's even think about, right, what those barriers uh, extend to. Because it says the, the greatest wealth building mechanism in America is inheritance. In 2020, Americans are projected to inherit about $765 billion 
and gifts and bequests, right? 765 billion. What's our percentage of debt? Below 4%, below 4%. And when you talk about being able to pass wealth down through generations, if you hadn't had the opportunity to build it, you can't pass it down. You can't pass it down. We from Louisiana and I live in Baton Rouge. You know, I, I had never been ex exposed to old money before until I moved down here. And let me tell you, it's some old money in Baton Rouge. No, where some old money at is in Ruston, Louisiana. It's some old money out there. As recent as maybe 2010, Ruston, Louisiana had the most millionaires per capita than any other place in America. That's some old money. Yeah. Well, uh, it, but here, here's the problem I have with that, because we talked about some issues of the past and, and, and black Twitter. Yeah, I don't care. You can be mad all you want to. I'm going to say it. So it says that from 2007 to 2013, black wealth declined faster than it did within white families. Right. In fact, the ratio of white family wealth to black family wealth is higher today than at the start of the century. Let's, 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 let's back that up, right? That there was more black wealth at the start of the century than there is now. So Yes, but consider the fact that back during the times of Black Wall Street, you had African-Americans making more than what the current minimum wage is today. And let's talk about the minimum wage in the first place. The existing minimum wage has been in place since 2009. So how can you expect African-Americans to be able to make a living and raise a family and step up from lower class to middle class or progress in any way? Especially when you consider the fact that most black families are supported by single mothers. The father is absent the home. When you look at mass incarceration, the rate that African-Americans populate the prisons, there's no wonder that mothers are being left to raise families alone. Right. But, but and, the point and I, not I, only what, ahead, what, let me take on the what, what Carlos was saying, not only, uh, you know, mass incarceration, just the removal of the of the black male from the home, period. Section so eight. the section eight. Right. So we introduced section eight government assistance and welfare, but you can't have a male living in the home. Right. So that, you know, so incarceration in one hand, kick your baby dad out in the other. So valid points. Uh, I disagree with the section eight one because that's not wealth. That's someone that's at the poverty level and, and right being able to keep a family together, right? And I get that, being able to keep a family but, together. Right, but it's not it's not wealth, but how can we build together if I'm a his his point was black women being left alone. And I that agree. attributed that attributed to black women being left alone. So how can I build when you know, I, I I can't have a counterpart in the home. How can I get off of Section 8 if I can't even have him come in here and help me get off of Section 8? So therein lies the cycle. Well, so then, okay, a barrier, another barrier. So then the conversation for me goes to, well, what about those that are that are here, that are in society, that are working in these companies, that are working in these corporations, that are, right, we have black billionaires. We, we do. We have black millionaires. We have company owners. We have entrepreneurs. What about those? But again, Dr. Johnson, we have that. But how few people are actually saying, you know what? I have, but others in my community don't. So let me provide opportunity for those who don't. You brought up an interesting point about Dave Chappelle. And I love Dave Chappelle, but I didn't even notice until you brought it up about how he's Purchased all of this land, much like the guy did what a hundred years ago when he bought all that land and only sold to black people to build that community. And that's something that, right? That's how, and, and just to kind of make sure our listeners uh, get the history of that, that's how Greenwood was actually the Greenwood district in Tulsa, right? When we talk about Black Wall Street, that's how that was actually built that a black man moved into the area. He wasn't from the area. Uh, bought up a, a, a lot of land, decided to invite other black families there, built a community. Right. And that's how that was started. And, and, and that's how that was built. Right. So. Right. And in that in that vein, that's what Dave Chappelle is doing. But we're only talking about Dave Chappelle. How many others are actually doing things of that nature? 
Thank you. Welcome to the conversation, Dr. Justin. That's where I was going with it. Mr. Cummings, our uh, guest, he kind of alluded to it as well. And, you know, I love the example that he gave. He said that we have, um, you know, we've, we've gotten the city model down packed, right? So we have black cities. We got Atlanta, we got Detroit, we got Dallas, we got Houston, but we need states right so you know again there's power in collective numbers so we need we uh, and i totally agreed with it with his theory i love that idea we need to just like you just said that man did buy up some land and invite others and we need to take over some states not just the city not just the cities but where does the apprehension come from uh, i disagree where does the apprehension inviting others come from though well like i said can, can you, I, that 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 mistrust and I, within the community well that's not well it goes back to your earlier point carlos of not seeing yourself as one because even though yeah you may have high, have high populations in those cities but how successful are they as a community so black twitter and listeners if you want to give me some uh, examples i'd be happy to hear but i don't see a highly successful model on the level of Greenwood. Just to, to, to go back to Greenwood, we talked about it earlier in the show. There were six families in 1921, six black families that owned their own airplane. No, the interesting thing was that the wages that they were earning were higher than what the current minimum wage is today. Yes. That was baffling to me. Yes, yes, yes. You know what, Queen? In light of all the unfavorable facts about the African-American community that we discussed tonight, I think it is incumbent on us to, and I hate to say this, but take another play out of Dr. Johnson's playbook and end on something positive. Yeah, I wanted to take a look just to see, you know, what were the top or, or richest black communities, you know, in 2020. And I'm going to give y'all the top five and see if y'all be surprised. So coming in at number five, we have Fort Washington, Maryland is an upper middle class black community. The median, the median family income is 114 K. Um, at number four is Mitchellville, Maryland. So look, looks like Maryland is where we need to be uh, with the median uh, income at 118,000. Coming in at number three is Ladera Heights, California. <clears throat> um, the average family income is 132000 Number three. <laughs> if you notice, Dr. Johnson, neither of the states that she mentioned are within the interior or in the heartland of the United States. They're all on the outskirts. Outskirts of the country, right? Number two, and I, I've been here several times, Baldwin Hills, California, and it does. Baldwin Hills look, is, is the black Hollywood. Uh, the median family income is 157000 which, I mean, if you're living in California, you ain't making six figures, you actually poor. Um, and <laughs> I'm telling you, over somebody's garage, over somebody's garage, and the number one affluent black community in America is View Park, Windsor Hill, California, uh, with the average family income of 159000 So it looks like you need to be in Maryland or uh, the greater L.A. area. Well, cause I'll tell you what I think about when I hear that is, you know, living in D.C. for five years, the cost of living. <laughs> yeah. And you lived in Cali. I know you can give us hard oh, stories absolutely. about the cost of living out there. Absolutely. <laughs> Nope, nothing in the middle. I'm looking real back real quick, Carlos. You got New York coming in at number nine, Maryland, Maryland, number seven and eight, and then Kettering, Maryland, number six. So, I mean, sounds like the East Coast and the West Coast is where you need to be. And I do want to mention, of course, Prince George's County came in at number seven, which is a is a well-known affluent uh, black area. So I lived in, I lived in PG, uh, PG County. Uh, my wife is a graduate of Largo High School, but living there on Andrews Air Force Base and in the naval housing near uh, FedEx Field, that I tell you that you can see the investment in the community, the park system, the the schools, the the pride uh, in home ownership, the low crime rates. So absolutely, 
I know I keep mentioning it, but I really got to give a shout out to Dave Chappelle, man, just for going back to Ohio, reinvesting in his community, man, trying to uplift his community for all people, not just African-Americans. You know, I got to commend that guy and others like him. Right, like well, and let's not forget um, the actor in New Orleans who who also bought up a lot of land. Oh yeah, and has purchased homes um, for for uh, you know black communities in New Orleans. What, what's his name, y'all? Help I me forget. Out. His, I don't want to call him Mr. Wendell. What's his real Wendell. name? Yeah, <laughs> Wendell Pierce. Yeah, shout out. So I want to give a shout out to Wendell Pierce, um, who is also uh, lifting his community, doing, man. Yep, doing it up in New Orleans. Came back to his hometown and. Especially post Katrina, he has bought up several, several um, communities there for for black families. Oh yeah, shout out to Wendell Pierce, man. I love that guy, you know, and I love what he's doing to uplift the New Orleans community. But my question is, what Anthony Mack at? Mm. Come on, Hawkeye, what you doing? Hawkeye. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, man. Dr. Johnson, this week in excellence. Well, uh, being a, a veteran of the U.S. Army, uh, ten years, uh, I tell you, I'm especially proud of this week. This week's pick for uh, this week in excellence, and that is uh, Lloyd James Austin the uh, Third. President-elect Joe Biden has nominated and selected uh, retired General Austin to be the Secretary of Defense, the first in in U.S. history. I know people think about Colin Powell. Colin Powell uh, did serve in Bush's cabinet, but Mr. Uh, General Austin will be the first the first Secretary of Defense. A, a proud moment in, in Black history and American history um, to really honor, you talk about Buffalo soldiers, um, the African Americans that served in, in the Civil War, uh, going back to Christmas Attic that served in, uh, that right was a part of the American Revolution. So just a continuation, a culmination of that proud African American uh, service to this nation. So a hey, big ups to you. And, and I, I look forward to seeing the confirmation hearings because it, it, of course it doesn't come without a little controversy, but I, I look forward to seeing him confirmed and, and seeing uh, the work that will be um, conducted under his tenure. So congratulations, sir. Thank you, Dr. Johnson for highlighting general Austin. I definitely agree that his achievements should be celebrated, <laughs> but I just want to say, I know you didn't think you were finna just slide Colin Powell in there on us like that. <laughs> hey, keeping with the Dave Chappelle theme tonight, you ain't like we done forgot that we done lost Colin Powell to the racial draft. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, Condoleezza Rice. <laughs> Look, people tend to forget, right? And, and, and I, I don't want to go into uh, party politics, but people tend to forget that Colin Powell spoke at the Democratic convention on behalf of Barack Obama. And he spoke at the Republican convention and he talked about right racial equity and opportunity. So Colin Powell, for me, a brave man, people can say what they want to say about him, but he served his country proudly. All jokes aside, man. You can't discount Colin Powell's achievements and service to this country. Right. Absolutely not. He served absolutely. his country proudly. Queen, closing remarks. Oh, man. Uh, make sure you edit this out, but I got nothing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about you, Dr. Johnson? Well, uh, of course, uh, I'm, I'm never uh, without some thoughts. So my thoughts on this whole episode from the beginning to end from uh, our guest, uh, Carol High School coming in representing absolutely bro for real appreciate that chewing the fat we, we have a proud history now season two we have a proud history of tackling tough topics uh, really covering both sides of these topics but also uh, circling back to a solution and making sure that we emphasize that we want to discuss the problem but we want to talk about potential solutions to problems and, and the one thing that I've really gathered from this show, from my co-panelists to uh, our guests, is that there's an opportunity, right? 
that when we talk about George Floyd and, and the the social earthquake that his death caused, that now there's an opportunity and that that opportunity has to begin with an evaluation. Right. This is that evaluation. Right? You got to assess before you make a plan. You have to assess before you take action. And our assessment is, is that we need to do more together. We need to do more together. We need to build. We need to be more creators than consumers, because if we look at our numbers, black America, we're more cons- we consume more than any other demographic. We need to be entrepreneurs and builders and we need to be more active within our community. And you know what? That starts with me, too. So looking forward to what this new year will bring and that we take those these lessons learned and apply them. And that means you too, Black Twitter. You sure came from Black Twitter quite a bit on on this episode. Uh, it is feelings I, about I Black Twitter know, tonight. I don't know what's stuck in your craw about Black oh, Twitter. Man. You sure kept coming for them on this episode. Yeah, well, they're going to come for me eventually. I might as well start the fight. <laughs> Queen, back at you. Um... Uh, I too want to thank Ro for real for coming on the show. I really enjoyed his segment. Uh, and again, it really sparked and ignited, you know, a fire in me to read more and research more about those areas. And I'm so glad that I did. And I'm also glad that I was able to, you know, to find the, the current richest black communities. And I, and I hope that we can, you know, see those spread across the nation and <clears throat> to Dr. Johnson's point, um, you know, we do need to stop being, uh, you know, consumers and, and start building and, you know, uh, look at entrepreneurship and, you know, have multiple streams of, of income ourselves. So that's where I want to leave it to, you know, so it's 2021, you know, if, if the COVID didn't take you out and you still here, it's time to build, baby. Let's get it. Well, the only closing remarks I have is circling back to the point we made about those inhibitors you know let's not make any more excuses guys let's unify uh i want to kind of point out that queen latifah song that she had back in the gap unity u-n-i-t-y you know we need that you know because unless we stand you know like 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 the um malik said in his book you know no one else will respect us as a people until we respect ourselves as a unified people. So we do have to come together and do some positive things and stop making excuses and blaming the man, quote unquote, the man for all of our problems, man. And just go out here and and, and tackle our problems ourselves. Not look at an obstacle and, t- and, and, and see it as a roadblock, but just a detour, you know, find a way around it. You know, think about if you are in traffic. If you come into an obstacle, you're going to find another way around. You, you, you big city people, <laughs> Queen, Dr. Johnson, what do you do when you run into rush hour traffic? You try to find a different way around, right? So I think that's what we need to do as a people, man. Stop making excuses. Absolutely. Stop blaming people for our problems right. and take some accountability you know, for our own actions or lack thereof. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Hey, let me, let me, can, can y'all hear that? Ooh, I like that. We, we are a little bit like-minded in that we're lion brothers and everything, but I'm being serious, man. I, I just think that a lot of times, you know, we play the blame game and we just wallow and in, in, in our suffering, you know, but you know, that's part of the way we use this platform. Let's not suffer in silence, guys. Let's unify. You know, let's bring out our creativity. African-Americans have been responsible for some of the most notable inventions in the world. Where is that today? The guy that invented the super soaker was a rocket scientist. You know, and he invented something that's still being enjoyed by children today. And that's just one example. You know, and there's a host of others. So we need that. We need to tap into our creative sides and you know now more than ever and use that as a vehicle to propel ourselves further this has been chewing the fat you know of course we always like to come up with solutions for uh, you guys and discuss you know possible ways that we can overcome 
our obstacles that's being placed in front of us. We definitely appreciate you guys for listening tonight. We advise well, you guys. Well, before you close out, Carlos, can, can I just add one thing? Uh-oh, Queen, here you come. I've noticed that there have been a few comments. Now, it's not enough to say that I don't like Dr. Johnson or <laughs> Dr. Johnson makes me upset when he gives his opinion. <laughs> Give me a coherent sentence. Like, for instance, I don't like Dr. Johnson's opinion because of X, Y, Z. When you leave notes and you just say, I don't like his opinion, that means nothing to me. So well, please well, give me a coherent I, I, response. I, I get out your feelings. Get out your feelings, Dr. Johnson. The people don't have to give you no explanation. They just don't I want like a coherent you. response. They, no, ain't he, got hey, to get, they could possibly make me better. So give me a coherent response. Man, you've been on the defensive tonight. Yeah, Black Twitter, listen, give him a pass. I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> Let him make it. He came for Black Twitter tonight, and, and then he going to follow yes, he up. He going to follow up with another comment. You hear me? <laughs> yes, Lord. I'm just. Saying. I am too tickled. I am too. Articulate tickle. your thoughts, people. Articulate your thoughts, uh, please. Don't forget to like, uh, share, and subscribe <laughs> to us. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Anchor, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Thanks so much. And now Libson. And now Libson. And if you don't like Dr. Johnson. Uh, let him know. That's it. Keep keep the hate mail coming. With a sentence. I need a sentence. <laughs> well, hey, we see you've been on the defensive tonight. We'll, we'll let you put your shield down. Um, thank you guys for listening. Again, this has been Chewing the Fat. Good night. <laughs>